When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. It's episode 110. Unfortunately, this is following a gut-wrenching one-nothing loss at the hands of Lazio in the Derby yesterday. Brandon's here with me. Jimmy's a bit busy with work this week. So we brought on a special guest, Steve Cerruti. Steve, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, it was a tough one. I'm doing well, guys. I appreciate you having me on. But uh, it was a pretty excruciating way to lose, especially to to the Crosstown rivals in the uh, in the Derby. Yeah, certainly not ideal. Uh, sorry we had to bring you on after a loss and not a win, but we're glad to have you here. Nah, Brandon, sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's better when it's after a loss anyway. Yeah. Get things fired up. <laughs> how you feeling, Brandon, yeah. after that? Honestly, I always dread coming on after a loss, particularly a, big, a very disheartening loss like what we had on Sunday. And then for me, it was a little double whammy because I took a massive L in my Sunday league playoff game right before the Derby. So it was uh, a double dose of uh, annoyance for me that day. But doing a little better, looking forward to the weekend so we can get back to winning ways. Yeah, and you get to shake your reputation that Jimmy's given you of saying you always skip out after the the tough losses. So Jimmy's <laughs> the one not here tonight. That is literally the only reason I'm on right now. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <to spell that. laughs> All right, so let's kick it off. It's you know we're we're talking about a loss, but going into the match, Roma entered as nearly three to one betting favorites on, on the betting lines after the the dramatic wins against Hellas and Ludogorets to advance in in the Europa League play, where Lazio was coming off. Tough losses to Salernitana, getting eliminated from the Europa League by Feyenoord. They were without Chido Mobile, without Milinkovic-Savage. What were your expectations going into this match? Uh, I, I would say I was expecting a draw. I mean, I, sometimes I hate it when teams, like especially in, in like a big match like that, when they lose like a pretty, in pretty embarrassing fashion right before you have to play them. Because you know they're going to be motivated. And even without, as you mentioned, Mobile and Milinkovic-Savage, like it's... <laughs> It's still like, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter who the names are on the back of the jersey. It's always going to be a hard game no matter what. And, you know, typically those games are close. And as the commentators kind of talked about, like it's usually decided on an error or some sort of like, you know, botched anything. And that's what we saw. Although that error to me, obviously it sucked, but it, it, it wasn't really the reason they lost the game. Like, yes, directly it was the reason that they lost the game. We'll get into that in a little bit. But I guess my expectation was I kind of expected it to be a pretty low scoring, maybe a nil-nil draw. And it would have been that had it not been for the terrible error by Ibanez. Yeah, I think that's spot on. I think I think it's totally fair to have gone into the match thinking this was Roma's chance to um, dominate Lazio, especially playing the match at home, quote-unquote. Um, 
And with these two star players out, it, it was all trending the right direction for Roma. I referenced it in the game thread piece as well as the highlights piece where there was just this expectation going in that this was Roma's game to lose. And we know that they've been struggling offensively and that there's been a massive amount of injuries. So it's never going to be that easy, particularly in a match of that intensity. So I don't necessarily know that I thought that they were going to win. I mean, you guys know by now that I'm naturally pessimist. So that plays into it as well, but um, it was all there for Roma. And based on the other results in the weekend where Atalanta dropped points to Napoli um, and you had the opportunity to climb into third spot, it was just a perfect recipe of um, factors for Roma to really take that next step. And then as we so often seen, they don't really ever do that. Um, they kind of let us down in that regard. So that's kind of, you know, how it went. Yeah. I definitely was expecting better from them, you know, with those two big players out for Lazio, I, I thought Roma should be the favorite. Um, they were, you know, nothing's come easy for Roma this season, but it just felt like Zaniolo had scored the past two games. Maybe, you know, he would find a way into goal. And he, he actually came the closest on deflected shot um, to scoring. Unfortunately, that was the best chance they had in the whole match. But the same kind of problems rear their ugly heads, right? Where they concede first and then they don't have enough in attack to to go at Lazio and, and find the, at least the tying goal and make it a 1-1 and get a point out of it. It was it was a different dynamic to other matches than we've seen this season because Roma actually controlled the lion's share of possession, which is not something they do a lot under Mourinho. Mourinho likes to sit back, defend, counterattack. And with only two shots on target... And I think it was 58% possession. I'm going to double check. 59% possession they have down here. It felt like Mourinho almost got out Mourinho'd yesterday by Saudi because I had Nick Diani on last week. He's a Lazio supporter. And he said, you know, Lazio is going to have to kind of make this match ugly if they're going to win without Milinkovic Savage in the midfield, without Immobile up front. They're going to have to just find a goal and make it ugly. They did that. And Roma had no answer for it, really. Yeah, not to be like, you know, I, I know we don't like them and, you know, I think we think that we're a better team and a better club, but like, I, I don't really want to give any credit to Lazio. I don't think they played particularly well. I, I don't think I, there wasn't one standout performance for them by really anybody other than, I don't know, maybe, maybe the goalkeeper. I don't know. He was okay. It was just, oh, this is all Roma's doing. So for me, it's like, you know, yes, you could say that sorry had a good game plan and he out Mourinho and Mourinho. I, I just think like we, we clearly didn't take the chances that were potentially there. They were willing to give us the ball, which is great. We don't know what to do with the ball, though. That's the problem. We, ne- we never know what to do with it. And, you know, I-, I could sit here and say we could talk about all the XG stuff and how, oh, you know, they're number two behind Napoli. Like, the goals will come. The goals will come. If you watch the games, there's no continuity. There's no fluidity. None of the attackers seem to know where they're supposed to be, what runs they're supposed to be making. And so, like, you could sit here and say, oh, yeah, like, Lazio had this great defensive performance. I don't think they did. Like, I saw some people talking about Romagnoli, like, oh, is he back? Is he another, is, you know, is he going to be, you know, the great Italian defender that, that we thought he was going to be? I, I, don't think he, I don't think he played particularly well. I don't think any of them played particularly well. I just think it was really more a case, and it's easy for us to say that because we're disappointed, we're mad as fans, as Roma fans, but I really just think Roma lost the game. Like, I don't think that, I don't think Lazio did anything other than take the one chance that they got, and then here we are, they get the three points, and they can walk away with a victory. So, for me, like, t- I, I'm just more disappointed. I don't even think tactically. I don't know what if, if it is a tactical thing that has to change up front or if it is just one of those things where it's going to take an entire season for, you know, this this attack to gel. But here's the thing. It's not like Dabala was playing. Like, he's the only new guy really in this attack. So what is the problem? And I, it, to me, the problem is more, I guess, probably the link between the midfield and the attack, I would say. Like, we definitely miss Mkhitaryan. Pellegrini isn't the same player um, as he was last season playing with Mkhitaryan. He's not the one to make those driving runs. He looked a little bit lost as well. I think Camara played well. Um, I thought Cristante was fine. I don't think he was stellar by any means. I know he's a guy that everybody loves to hate on. I just think that there's there's just no continuity and no chemistry with this team whatsoever. And I don't know how that's going to get fixed. And that, that, that to me was, I mean, obviously the loss sucks, but that to me is the biggest takeaway. It's like we watch these games and nothing seems to get better. It's the same thing every single week. And, you know, if we just happen to ha- have more talent than one team, yeah, we could beat Ludogratz three to one because we're just better than them and have better individuals than them. But I don't see any real growth here. And to me, that's just, to me, that's the squad and the roster. Like, I just don't know if they're good enough. I don't, I feel like it's a lot of, you know, square pegs and round holes. And I, I don't know if the January transfer window is going to fix that. I don't know if more time will fix that. But to me, that was kind of the biggest disappointment takeaway. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I think, um, some great points there. And I would just add on that as uh, a fan observing, watching the match, I kind of got tricked into um, 
I would say watching Roma have a little bit more possession than normal and going after the game, trying to get that equalizer. It's like, ooh, wow, look, Roma's finally on the front foot doing, like, you know, trying to force the issue. But, you know, at the same time, they're not really doing anything with it. I think uh, during the game, I, I was, I realized this and I was like, I feel like maybe the players themselves just aren't used to being in this position where they have all this possession and you, you watch a team like Man City and they're always camped out on the top of the opponent's box. And if it's not going in, they're cycling possession over and over and over again. And they just know what to do, where to be. And this is a game where Roma kind of had to do that, but they are, just aren't familiar with it. I don't think, um, I think there was a lot of hesitancy in what decision to make uh, going forward. And I think Mourinho set this team up to be devastating on the counter. We've seen that over and over again, but when it comes to chasing games, we all know that this team struggles. And I, I do think that it's really just a roster makeup issue, but the problem is that it will take multiple transfer windows, I think to rectify it to the point where this team is able to chase games like they needed to yesterday. And, you know, get either get the equalizer or come back and win entirely. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the midfield, they had so much time and space in the bowl yesterday, but like Steve said, there's nobody to make that darting run like Mkhitaryan would last year, right? Pellegrini's not the player to do that. And, you know, Kamara's shown to be a, a pretty decent signing so far. It makes those box-to-box runs, but there's not a lot of link up with the forwards. And, you know, I think back to the summer of Mercato where Fratesi was linked so much, right? I see him on Sassuolo, and when I watch yep. him on Sassuolo, I salivate thinking about him in this midfield because he would be the guy to make those kind of darting runs like a Barella does for Inter. And they they were lacking that yesterday. There was just not that connection. And I'm going to skip ahead a little bit and go to one of Mourinho's quotes because he was asked about the lack of clarity in the final third. And this is what he had to say, and we, you guys can weigh in on it. I completely agree with you. Too much emotion, not enough understanding of our objective and the way we want to be organized throughout the game. It's not easy to play against a side that sits deep against a side that does a clever job of time wasting and changing the rhythm of the game. And for us, without that little flash of quality that special players have, we are missing something without Dybala and Pellegrini You have 20 to 25 minutes where you need to score, but you need to have the right approach in order to do so. I'm in complete agreement with you because we were dominating. Even Lazio came here saying we are here to defend the goal we, ha- we have and play as little as possible. They did that well and we lack clarity uh, you talk about, and also we lack that spark of quality that helps you find the right pocket of space, the assist, the individual moment of skill that can make all the difference. We tried to do that with Volpato, who certainly did not do badly, but things went how they did. And he mentioned Ibala. He clearly has been a big loss since he's been injured because he was the guy that provided that spark in many matches early in the season. So what do you guys make of Mourinho's assessment of that final third play? Yeah, I think, I think it's totally fair. I mean, he's right. I mean, the, the problem is there's there's really, other than Zaniolo, I don't know that there's like a difference maker. Like if you go back to some of his teams, like it's okay when you play the counterattacking style when you have like devastating attackers in the counterattack, right? Um, you know, Sun, Kane uh, at Spurs were that. I mean, they basically had a two-man attack for for a while and those guys could just kind of hone it down when they weren't really, you know, they, they didn't have to play another attacker on the field basically with those two guys. You know, I don't know that Tammy Abraham is an, is a, is an, a counter-attacking striker. I don't exactly know what his style is. I mean, he's, he's, his hold-up play has been pretty inconsistent this year, I would say. And I don't think he's particularly, like, technically great. I think he works really hard. And, like, I, I'm, I'm never going to criticize him because I do think every he basically works his ass off game in and game out. He's just so out of form right now. And it's weird that Bellotti hasn't been able to really push him on that either. Or, like, Shemurdov, any of these guys. Like, nobody else is really getting a sniff there. Um and so I guess Daniel is like kind of your only difference maker in the counterattack. And while he is devastating going forward, I mean, yeah, I know he's had a couple goals in the last few games, but he's, his goal scoring form has been pretty horrendous the last year or so. And obviously coming off an injury, it's, it's excusable, but you can't be relying on a guy like that who is, again, not a clinical goal scorer to be your one real attacking threat and physical threat out there. So like, I almost feel like the style of play that he wants to play doesn't, again, it doesn't, it doesn't fit the players that we really have. And that's why you know, I'm kind of confused as to why he's been so stubborn in sticking with the three at the back system. And like, I know it, it, it is solid defensively. Like, I understand that we've been a good defensive team, but I think that's coming at the expense of really growing this team at all. Like, I really think we could use another man in the midfield. Like, I thought we got Matic so that he can kind of be that deep lying sort of defensive midfielder that can sit between the two center backs and maybe let two other midfielders, Pellegrini, maybe it's Cristante, maybe it's Camara and play more of a winger style attack. And, and you know, we, again, we don't really have the fullbacks to do this either. And this is, becomes more of a roster issue, but 
I, it just goes back to I think his quote is right, but again, I think I think the issue is we're we're playing with players in a style that just doesn't fit who we have. Yeah, that's totally fair, and I think with his quotes, um, I can see a lot of fans taking issue with it in the sense that oh, why do we need to rely on individual quality to get our goals? Why why isn't the system, um, you know? such that we don't need to rely on these individual moments of magic. Um, and that's totally fair. I think though that, um, uh, well, look, if we look at the score lines from our, our previous big matches that we lost, so Napoli, Lazio, Atalanta, it's all been a one Oh score line. Um, and, it's, and the margins are that fine where it's comes down to individual errors and um, an inability to convert your chances. So I think it's fair to criticize Mourinho for the setup. Um, but at the same time, we know that these matches come down to the thinnest of margins. So in that sense, you know, you kind of do need those players to, to have that spark and find that uh, moment of magic to, to break a deadlock. And I think, um, I like that he name dropped Valpato there is what mm-hmm. he was trying to do in that um in that moment. We saw it, it pay off the other just the other day. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I, I really struggled to criticize this team too much just because of the injury crisis. I think if we were fully um, you know, the injury list was non existent and we were firing on all cylinders ready to go, I think it's a lot of the criticisms that we levy on this team are totally valid, but we don't know what that team looks like. Um, and I think in terms of formation and tactics and all that good stuff that it's, it's kind of depend. well, in, in Mourinho's mind, at least it's dependent on the players that he has available to him, who he thought he would have available to him until um, we see what that looks like. I, I don't know. I kind of have a hard time laying a lot of blame on Mourinho, but I, I totally get the arguments uh when they do criticize him. Yeah, there's really going to be a lot riding on Jeannie Wijnaldum when he comes back, right? People are banking on it. I, I had a comment re- reply to me on Twitter yesterday how I you know, I'd said it was an inexcusable loss considering the way Lazio was was set up and we couldn't create anything. And, you know, the answer is like, well, we were also missing Dybala and Wijnaldum, but we haven't seen Wijnaldum play more than 10 minutes all season. So we don't exactly know what he's going to provide to the side. He is 32 years old, going to be coming off a, a major injury. And... I think Steve, you know, mentioned the the winter Mercato. I don't know how much Roma's going to dip into it in terms of anything besides Solbach. Admitting that I've heard defenders rumored again. Do we really need another center back? I mean, if they get another center back, I think we're stuck with the back three at that point. If you're bringing in a fifth mm-hmm. center back, so <clears throat> it'll certainly be interesting to to see. You know, I, I love Zalewski and I like what he does as as a wing back, but you know, he's more of a natural attacking player, so you kind of lose him as an attacker because he's being pigeonholed as a wing back right now to, to give you a second option behind Spinat Sola. So I think you guys are right. There's a lot of moving parts that maybe this roster is in Billford. I really thought at halftime when they made the change with Selleck and I saw Selleck on the sidelines, I was like, okay, maybe they'll, they'll like, you know, switch to a four man back line and, you know, let Zalewski play a little further up and maybe Karsdorp or Selleck can play on the left. I think Selleck has played a little bit on the left in his career and maybe they, they go that route. And they didn't do that. I thought, you know, they would just pull Mancini for a, another fullback and let Zalewski play up. They didn't. They stuck with the three-man back line, and it, they pretty much did until it got pretty close to the end. So I understand, too, where Marino's come from. You know, they're not conceding a lot of goals, but when they do concede a goal, it's hard for them to to find that that answer. And you mentioned Tammy. I don't know what his style of striker is either at this point because he's not really killing it on the counter like you would hope he would with his pace and, you know, um, his work rate, and I, I don't know where, what's going to happen with him. Mourinho was also asked about his forwards, and he said, you know, in response to not getting any goals from the forwards, he said not just the goals, even the teamwork, even winning the individual duels, because even when you're lacking a bit of invention, the team is playing very directly. You need to win some of those battles. Tonight, some of our most experienced forwards didn't do that, and I, I think that's probably a shot at Tammy and then maybe Belotti when he came in. I thought Zaniola had a decent first half, so what, where do you guys see, like, Abraham at this point, I mean, does he even make England's World Cup squad? Maybe he does because they don't have another, you know, viable option behind Kane, but he's really in bad form. Yeah, I was just talking about this with, with some of my friends. Like, I because I also follow Everton, which I wouldn't recommend to anybody. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I, I, good player. He's kind of similar to Tammy. I think Tammy has, a, has like a little bit more skill than, than DCL does. 
But DCL is just like a freak athlete and works really hard, but he's always hurt. So he's probably not going to, he just got hurt again this weekend. So I don't know if he's going to be in the world cup. Ivan Tony's hurt, I think. So maybe Tammy gets in just because of the lack of options uh, potentially. And because he's been with the squad before, but I don't, you know, he's certainly not going to play. And if, if, if they do need him to play, I mean, that's a terrible sign for England. So I, I'm, I haven't like given up on Tammy. I think last year, like everyone just got, I think really the entire team, like last year, all right, you know, Tammy comes out, he has a tough start, but then he hits kind of hits the ground running a little bit. And then the middle part of the season looks good, scores a bunch of goals. Everyone's talking about him and the release clause with Chelsea. And like, are they going to spend $80 million or bring him back? Which is never going to be the case. He's not that type of player. He's a, he's a fine player. I think he's okay, but I don't think that he's the kind of guy that puts a, like a, a team on his back ever. Um, and that's why I, I'm, I'm hesitant to criticize him because like, I think he knows he's out of form. I, I don't think he's really getting particularly great service either. Like, I don't think Zaniolo, like I, as much as I like him, I mean, his, he needs to pick his head up and find a guy making a run at some point. Like his head is always down. It's always him. Or when he does pass, it's completely the wrong decision. So I don't think he, like Tammy necessarily has like a great partner up front to work with him. And like, kind of like if he's going to be the big guy, like play the balls down and then like kind of play off each other, he doesn't really have that guy to do it with. Um, and Pellegrini is kind of caught between this role where he's, maybe playing deeper, but he probably should be closer to goal and he's not helping Tammy either. So I don't think it's fully Tammy's fault. And again, I think he's working really hard, but I also just think like last year, the success of the team winning a trophy, the amount of goals that he scored kind of threw everyone's expectations out of whack a little bit. And I think you bring in Dybala this year and when all of them comes in and it's the, the Mourinho year two, and everyone's like, they're going to win a trophy this year. Can they push for the Scudetto? And I, I remember I was talking to one of my buddies who's a Milan fan. He was like, I'm picking Roma to finish second. I love their squad. And I was like, I still think finishing fourth would be like a pretty good, like, you know, objective. Like, I think that would be a pretty good accomplishment. And I know that wasn't like cool to say after like the huge Dybala unveil and all this stuff and all the fireworks from the off season, how excited everybody was. But you have to remember, they still did only spend what, 7 million euros. Like they didn't spend a ton this summer. It was a bunch of like basically bit parts that they put together. I don't know that this team is that great. And I don't think certainly around Tammy, I don't think he's being supported. Like, you know, he's the kind of guy that like needs probably the ball. He needs to be fed ball. He's just not being fed the ball in, in the right position right now. All he's doing is working hard up front, trying to basically head the ball down and play with his back to goal. And you're not going to find your form playing like that. So yes, he's been disappointing, but I, I don't know that I could fully blame him for all the, for all the offensive troubles. Yeah. I think for me, the best thing for Tammy would be, you know, for the world cup to come and go, or at least for the roster to be announced because, um, I don't know. The impression is that that's kind of the source of maybe him overthinking a little bit, uh, trying to do a little too much. Um, when Stephen was introducing the idea of should he be making England's World Cup roster, I also thought of DCL um, as an alternative, but I don't follow follow Everton that closely, so I had no clue as to whether he was injured or not or anything like that. But um, I think. I, I don't know. I, I think Tammy has all the tools to dominate the league. I think physically he showcased already that he can dominate from that perspective. I think technically um, he can leave, he can leave you with more to be desired. But when you combine him with a coach like Mourinho, you think that sort of thing will work itself out in the long run. Um, so I still have confidence in him. I think he has all the tools to be one of those players that, tops the scoring charts for multiple seasons um it's just a matter of putting it all together but i think the first step with that is getting out of this funk and i think a lot of it has to do with will he or won't he with the world cup so as soon as that passes we can go from there and hopefully it starts to click for him yeah i i agree i'm far from giving up on him i i agree with what Steve said. I think expectations were set so high after the trophy and 17 league goals and you know 25 plus in all comps last year that having Dybala alongside him ever I thought you know he's he's a golden boot he's got a shot at the golden boot this year in Serie A and that's been far from the case and they're gonna have to figure things out around him too I think to get the best out of him I was hoping Belotti would push him a little bit Belotti hasn't been that great I was hoping at least you know if Tammy went through a cold spell Belotti could come in and score a couple goals here and there like he's you know he's got 100 Serie A goals in his career and he's been off I don't know if the late signing he didn't join Roma until pretty much the season had kicked off kind of threw him off hopefully maybe the world's cup break with Italy not being in it unfortunately will give plenty of time to for players like Belotti to kind of work with Mourinho and figure things out um the other place where Roma had an issue which hasn't been an issue too much this year it's a guy who's drawn a lot of praise all season for his emergence as really a, a really solid center back to Roger Ibanez but 
for a, at least the second derby that I can think of off the top of my head, maybe the third one, he had a major brain freeze that cost Roma a goal directly. I remember two seasons ago, he had a match where he cost Roma two goals. And I think it was a 3-1 loss to Lazio or a 3 nothing loss. And what he did yesterday was really an unforgivable mistake in a match of this nature, you know. Still 23 years old, going on 24, whatever it is. And, you know, he, he has been prone to these mistakes. But I don't know what it is with him in the derby, but that giveaway yesterday basically cost Roma the match because Lazio hadn't done anything else the rest of the match to really warrant a goal. Um, you know, at the very least, you get a draw if he doesn't make that mistake. But I don't know what it is with him. I mean, do you guys have any ideas what, what plagues him in some of these big matches? I think that's just how some guys are, you know, like I think if he, if he didn't have that in his game, like he'd probably be Marquinhos and he wouldn't be playing for Rome anymore. You know, like he's, he has talent. He's really good. I, I mean, you know, there have been times when he's been in a run of form where it's like, Hey, like the big clubs are knocking right for him. Cause I mean, you look at some of the advanced statistics and like, he's one, I think he might be the best ball carrying center back in the entire, basically all the big five leagues. Like he, that's what he does. So like, I, I understand what he was trying to do there. He got way too cute and got the ball taken from him, but like he is a progressive ball center back. He pushes the ball forward, and like if you're going to play with three at the back, you kind of need that guy. You need one of your defenders, if not more, to be able to be progressive in that way. Whereas like Mancini's a little bit more of the passer, and Smalling is more of just like the all right, I'm going to lock everything down. And so you know he 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 clearly screwed up, and he he you know but he did that doing what he usually tries to do. Um, I know like the announcers are making the, the case like hey, there's like an easy pass to take right there, just take it. But he doesn't. That's not really what he does. Like he's a, he's again, as I said, he's a ball progressor. That's what he likes to do. So. I, 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 who knows if it'll, if it'll ever fully click with him. Like I kind of, it's one of those things where like, again, if he was, if he didn't have that in his game, he'd probably be playing for Brazil in this world cup. Like he has that kind of talent. He's that good. Um, But I think, you know, the three center backs as a whole, there's, they're all kind of have like little flaws in their games, you know, like they're all not perfect. And I understand why Jose wants to play three at the pack. Cause he feels like with three of them in there, at least like he gets that solidity. And with two of them, like their flaws are more, more likely to be exposed, but Sometimes I feel like with Banyas, it's like maybe if you ask him to do like a little bit less, like just have him just like contra and like what a couple things that needs to do every game and just be good at this and don't screw up. I, sometimes I wonder if they're asking too much of him in that system. But, uh, I, you know, I, I think the, the and you mentioned it before, too, uh, that if we're rumored to buy another center back, like what's what's the point of bringing another center? We already have. I mean, we've got Kambula on the bench, who I, who I think is a decent player, but you know, we've got kind of the same guys. Like if we're going to buy a center back, buy somebody who is immediately going to be in the 11 don't buy somebody who is you know just kind of like another run in the mill center back to buy a center back so i'm not fully out on abanias like you know it's the same thing with tammy like i just think you know it was obviously a mental lapse and it is what it is but i still think he's a good player i just don't know if we'll ever be the guy that actually figures it out it's kind of like um like you know like I, i'm an orlando magic fan right and for years like it was like aaron gordon like you know he's this like six foot eight defensive player you know, he's kind of like a jack of all trades. He can do a bunch of different things, but he could he ever like put it all together. And the more that you wait, the more frustrating it becomes because year after year after year, you're just waiting for this guy to put it all together. And like the answer is typically he's never going to put it all together. He's always going to have that kind of flaw in his game. And I'm a little bit of, like afraid that both Mancini and Abanias are just kind of that guy. They're just going to always kind of have the issues in their games. And you're going to see it in, in big games like the one we just saw. I think for me, the worst part about his mistake is that he let the corpse of Pedro suiting up for Lazio at the age of 87 to, to, to poke that ball away and set up Felipe Anderson. Um, but in all seriousness, I think with Abanez, that's, that's you know, as Steve was saying, it's kind of just part, and part, part and parcel with his game. And you take with the good with the bad. I think if you look at Liverpool and City um, with Alisson and Ederson, they, they do things like that all the time. Um, and sometimes it doesn't work out and it costs their team a goal not to put Abanez on the same level as those two players because those are, you know, the 1A, 1B uh, keepers for Brazil. But um, I think I think it's just a part of his game and he does enough thing. He does enough positive actions that you kind of, um, you know, you, you throw your hands in the air when he makes these mistakes, but um, and you hope he irons them out of his game. But for now, that's kind of what we have at our disposal. I think as I was watching that moment happened the first thing i thought of was man this dude's not making the the brazil's world cup roster based on this alone and then sure enough today we find out that he did not in fact make it so you definitely feel for him but i'm not out on the banias by any means i think you know he's he, he'll save roma's ass more times uh than we can count over the course of the season so hopefully he doesn't make it a mistake of that magnitude again but i'm still in on the banias yeah, and I think Steve made a good point. He's that high ceiling guy who 
may just never reach his potential because he makes these mistakes here and there. And I think the thing with him being a center back and one who likes to carry the ball, when he makes these mistakes, it's more glaring than like Pellegrini giving the, the ball away in midfield because there's nobody behind him to, to pick him up. And I think he also made a good point where we have to play the three center backs because Ibanez has his flaws still. Mancini still has his flaws as much as I like his aggressive nature. And, you know, his Grinta, he, he is prone to making mistakes as well, which is why Smalling always has a place in this team because he's kind of the, the cooler head in the center of those two. And that's, I think, what is maybe making Mourinho hesitant to make that switch to a back four, even though it would certainly help in the midfield and maybe help the creative nature of, of our attack and maybe linking things up. So it'll be interesting to see where things go. But in, until I think Ibanez cuts this out of his game, it's probably going to be hard for Mourinho to fully commit to a back four unless he has like that stud, stud center back next to him. And that's no knock on Smolin because he's been great. But I think like Steve said, if you're going to bring in a center back, it needs to be someone who's going to step into the 11 right away. Why bring in another Kambula type player when you have Kambula there? Um, so that, that'll be something to keep an eye on as well. Uh, we're going to pause here for a quick break, and then we'll be back to keep talking about the Derby and looking ahead a little bit. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back from our, our quick break. So we talked about Tam, we talked about Ibanez. Before we move on from the Derby, anything stand out to you guys, good, bad, otherwise, with player performances, any numbers you noticed in, in the stat sheet that you wanted to talk about? Um. I mean, a couple of quick things, like you mentioned him earlier, Volpato could play like I'm that guy's impressive. I don't know. I, it, it's one of those things where you go, all right, we don't want to put the expectations too high on this guy and just like ruin it, ruin him. Cause we've done that with plenty of guys that have come through the Roma Academy and you know, it's, it hasn't been great, but I like that Jose's playing. It's the same thing with Zaleski last year. Like, I just think he doesn't, the moment's not too big for him. He makes like, pro, like progressive plays. Like he's not afraid to make a pass or make a run. Um, he doesn't play tentative. I, I I think that guy is really good. So hopefully big things to come from him. I'd like to see him play more, especially if Paul Green is going to be out for a couple of games here before the World Cup starts. Um, and then uh, I think I, I I guess you mentioned it before too, but like the Balaki thing to me is pretty pretty amazing. Like he just he's been incredibly disappointing. I feel like he's almost more disappointing than Tammy is because Balaki at least like. He's been in the league forever. He wanted to make this move so badly. Yes, I understand you mentioned his fitness, but like if Tammy's was if Tammy was going to be off his game, like we were supposed to be able to turn to him as a guy who could potentially give us some goals. And he's been absolutely non-existent so far. So I almost am like more disappointed in Bellotti than I am with Tammy so far. Um, so I don't know if you guys disagree with that necessarily, but it's just I kind of feel like he was supposed to be our safety safety net, especially with Dybala out, and he's kind of been a complete liability and disappointment on the field. Yeah, I I, I... I'm, I agree. I'm I'm disappointed in um, Bellotti's performance today, but I think, uh, you know, to be fair, this is a new club after seven years being the main man in Torino, over 200 appearances, 100 odd goals, and then now you're ostensibly a bit part player at a bigger club in Roma. Um, got to the team late, not really playing uh, consistently to the point that you find your feet in a new side. So I think all those things combined, yeah. Tammy definitely, you know, Bellotti should be Tammy's safety net and should provide those goals when we need him to. But at the same time, he's he's adjusting like any other new player would. And I think um, I'm curious to see if this winter World Cup break kind of uh, helps ease him into the side like it, he would have over the summer if he signed a little bit earlier and then second half of the season kind of take off from there. But I think, you know, these first few months, it's, it's disappointing, but it's not necessarily surprising. 
Yeah, it's definitely disappointing because I know he's not the player that scored 26 goals for Torino in 16-17. He, he was never going to be that player again, probably. He just happened to be on a really perfectly set up team that season. But, I mean, he's a guy who I expected, yeah, there's going to be an adjustment, but I expected less of an adjustment from him. He's a guy who's familiar with the league, you know, knows Pellegrini and some of these other players from the national side. I thought he would have, knowing his game as a, a kind of a workhorse forward that can just kind of poach goals and, and work for those goals, um enforce mistakes with his pressing would would have a little more impact so far than he has so I'm, I'm I'm with you I hope that the World Cup break kind of gets him a little more acclimated if he's not fully acclimated yet now after almost three months um uh, because Roma's going to need him you know you can't rely on Tammy only we saw that last season they were very Tammy reliant um and Mkhitaryan came up with some clutch goals he's not around anymore so they're going to have to find goals from you know, Belotti, hopefully, and, you know, Dybala is going to be relied on heavily when he comes back, but he's a guy you don't want to have to rely on every match because you see what happens when you have to overwork him. Uh, it's been that way in his career. So Belotti is going to have to come up big for them. You know, um, Volpato, you made a great point. I think he he's really good. He was a guy that when, you know, he's being linked into the Fratesi rumors this summer, I was like, oh, you know, if we let him go on a, mm-hmm. a loan with like a buyback clause <laughs> or like one of those things, like I'd be okay with it. And I'm like, you know what, now that we've seen what he can do, keep him around and you know, if if we can get Fratezi great in the summer or something, if not, then, you know, if they don't want anybody else in our academy, we can't afford him, then, you know, Volpato might end up being better in the long run, different position, but he's got the talent. So you're not going to give just give up on him. Um, I thought Zalewski had a pretty, pretty decent, you know, 50, 60 minutes before he ended up coming out later in the match. I, you know, I think he's a very talented player. I mentioned he's kind of being pigeonholed before, but it was, it was really Zalewski and Zaniola a lot in the first half, making most of the the action for Roma. Uh, didn't come out to anything, but they they were kind of the bright spots in the first half. Zaniolo kind of cooled. He was getting, as he usually does, hacked and and really man marked tightly in the second half and kind of taken off his game even more. Yeah, it's, for Zaniolo, it, it kind of sucks because he gets bottled so much. But then I also do think he is a flopper. So like the rep, yeah. he puts the ref in an impossible position where like he even when he gets bottled, they're never going to trust him. And he's also it's kind of like I don't you know I don't this is a ridiculous comparison, but it's like kind of like Shaq. How do we officiate Shaq? Like Zaniolo is so big and strong and physical that when you follow him, it doesn't look like you follow other guys, you know, like he can kind of withstand the contact, but I think a lot of times he's throwing himself to the ground because he knows that he has to get the call that way. But it's, it's, it's kind of like working the opposite way. I, 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 it's been frustrating to watch him play because there are times I'm just like, that's a blatant dive. And I know why he's kind of doing it, but it's, but it, it's, it's really not going to do him any sort of favors long-term with the officiating in the league. They're just not going to call him. They're not going to give him any foul calls. And the amount of times you see him on the ground with his hand up in the air and the crowd's going nuts because he didn't get the call, it's like it becomes incredibly frustrating because like it kills attacks. And obviously, like the, it brings kind of like the, the whole vibe and morale of the team down. Like then we lose the ball and then he will probably go out and get a silly yellow card because he's mad right after that. Like it's this whole thing. And like you it's just frustrating because you see the talent in there, but it's it's just I don't know, man. It's it's, it's kind of I know obviously he had the two goals and everybody got excited, but he's still kind of like a, a work in progress mess right now. And um you know, I, I, it's one of those things where I just, it's kind of like a Banya. It's like, is he ever really going to fully figure? We have we have a team full of, like, is he ever going to figure it out, guys? And we don't have a team full of finished, pro- we need more finished product guys. And we just don't have them. Like, you can have a little bit of each here and there to, like, fill the squad out. But you can't have an entire squad full of guys that are just not consistent match in and match out. And that's kind of what Roma have, minus, like, Dybala. But his one thing is his injury concern, which is obviously kind of kind of bit them in the ass here. The one guy that I wanted to just mention really quickly, too, you mentioned is, is, uh, is, is Matty Camera. I thought he played pretty well. I think he's a good player. Like I actually thought it was good for, for a loan deal with what a $7 million option to buy. Like he's, he could play. Like, I don't know if he's a starter, but he's definitely like a rotation style piece. The problem is he's not going to be a progressive ball player. He's more of just like a ball winner in the midfield than like an engine kind of guy. He's not like a real true, like eight or 10 who's going to like drive the ball forward, but I thought he played pretty well. And I, I, I think, you know, considering how bad it was when we missed when with the injury and like how we didn't really have any other options. I think he's been a pretty good addition to the squad. Yeah. And I think for Mourinho, like, if all he ends up being is a pretty good, you know, uh, Conte-esque figure where he's winning possession and uh, playing that first pass that kicks off the counterattack, things like that. I think for Mourinho, that's perfectly fine. I'm glad you brought him up because I was just about to. I, I continue to like what I see from him. And I think if he continues to progress and uh, show extended glimpses of what he's shown thus far, I think he can be a bit really valuable piece piece for the club uh over the next few years and i think if that does end up being the case um and speaking of finished products well now them if he comes back and doesn't really set the league on fire like we kind of hope that he does um or at least 
provides the spark that does that for Roma. Um, I think the transfer could still pay for itself in that we had to pick up Kamara to replace him while he was injured. Um, and so that could end up being a blessing in disguise to some extent. Yeah, I, I like the Kamara show. I think at the price that his option is at, I think if he continues to play like this, it's almost a no-brainer to exercise that clause and keep him around next season as a rotational piece. I think you could do a lot worse for that price tag. And I I, I think you summed up Zaniolo perfectly, right? It's like you saw Thursday, he got two penalties called for him because you have a foreign referee who's not really part of the <laughs> yeah. Italian officiating committee who's not used to repping him. And he drew two fouls that are generally penalties and he got them given, whereas if instead, yeah, I don't know if he gets two penalties given ever because of the reputation he's kind of earned himself with uh, the officials. And I think the hack-a-shack, you know, kind of comparison, even though it's across sports and across generations now is is perfect because he's such a big, strong guy. You see him running with the ball and like, you know, I wish they could get him out on the counter more often sometimes because he has to be intimidating. Like I was thinking of when they played Napoli and they just couldn't get him out on the counter enough because Juan Jesus was playing back there, right? Like I take Zaniolo's chances at least maybe not scoring because we know his, his finishing has been leaving things to be desired, but just running at him, creating problems. Like he just creates so many problems. And then the, the opposing defenders realize, you know, if we hack him a little bit, we can get him to flop a little bit here and there where then when we do knock him around a little bit, the refs are going to be less forgiving for him. And, and we've kind of seen that he has to really get knocked around real good to get a foul called his way. I mean, the red card on Hellas, I mean, he was left with, with cleat marks on his, on his quad, uh, pretty, pretty nasty. If you saw it on Twitter. So it, it is a, a conundrum, really. He's kind of a conundrum of a player in terms of the way he gets offici- officiated because of his, you know, kind of unique physique. And and, and it's going to be something to keep an eye on and how Roma can manage him and, and get him to play in a way that suits the team, suits himself, and keeps the officials somewhat on his side. Um, because you're right, then he goes and gets yellow cards when he doesn't get the calls. And he usually they're for mouthing off to the official. It's not even for you know, a, a retribution foul action. or anything. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's what's so funny too, is like, was it last year when, when Jose basically made the comment, like he should leave Italy because mm. if he wants to actually have a successful career, because he's just not going to get officiated fairly. Like there is some truth to that. There also is the conspiracy theory. Of me is like, if he, if that, you know, if the transfer in the summer to Juventus went through, I, he probably gets more foul calls. Like it's just how it is. Cause that's just what, that's what happens with Juve. Like it is what it is. And I, and that's why I was like so reluctant to sell him because I could see him, doing really well there and getting a bunch of calls and like becoming the player that he was supposed to be. But it's just funny that, you know, Mourinho a year ago, basically saying he needed to leave Italy to, to fulfill his destiny. Like there is actually kind of some truth to that. I think Shaq is such a massive human. You got to go the LeBron route for the comparison. Cause he's the same thing. Big dude, mm-hmm. just, you know, genetically far superior to all his competitors and just also not getting calls. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the last thing to mention in this this defeat was that this is now the third defeat to a direct top four rival at home at the Olympico. Uh, all three of them won nothing. The Atalanta loss um, uh, about a month or so ago. The Napoli lost a couple weeks ago. And now Lazio. Jose was asked about it. He said all three were undeserved. I don't know if I'd say all three were undeserved, in my opinion. Atalanta, I think they were hard done by because it was literally one great shot by Scalvini, a guy who you'd never expect to make that shot. Got the goal and Roma just couldn't hit the broad side of a barn just despite creating tons of chances in that match. And that was a match that I think Dybala would have been a huge difference maker because he had to pull out uh, pre-match in that one. Uh, the Napoli lost. Roma played, you know, not to lose. And they got bit by a great piece of individual skill by Osiman. I don't think they were hard done to lose that match because they didn't really do anything to win that match. And yesterday, you know, we talked about it. Lazio didn't do anything to win. Roma didn't do enough to win and maybe a draw. So maybe it's a hard luck defeat in, in the sense that they lost, but maybe not enough to earn three points. What do you make, though, of of the Olympico not really being a fortress for Roma, especially less so to me against Napoli because they're the best team in the league so far, clearly. But Atalanta, Lazio, those are two teams that you're directly competing, I think, for fourth place with. And to drop three points to them at home is really kind of disheartening when you think about the top four race. It's not great, but listen, they're not going to go. I, I'm going to say it now. They're not going to go into Napoli and win that game. So that's going to, you know, they're going to play the same exact style. They're going to try to play for a nil-nil draw, and they probably won't get it because it'll be in, in Naples. The other two, I mean, I think they could beat Atalanta at Atalanta and they could beat Lazio, you know, basically in their quasi home game. Um, So I'm not like terribly worried about the two of those. So, you know, I I think, I think it just comes down to, it's it's just a style of play thing when they're playing these, these teams that are better, um, you know, at home, you're supposed to be a little bit more expressive and and like kind of show your cards a little bit more and and maybe play a little bit more on on the front foot offensively. And they, 
they don't really do that at home, which again, I, I think this is probably just Jose saying he doesn't fully trust his squad. And so it's, it's, it's not good, but I also don't think it's a total loss because I think we could still make up some of those points on the road for the rest of the season. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, there's still, yes, you know, it would have been great to, to move up to third and, and have be on 27 points, but you know, there's still only two points back of, of a top four spot. There's so much to play for the rest of the season. Um, and, you know, I've, I've heard multiple people say this, uh, you know, you can lose to the big six teams. You just have to beat all the teams you're supposed to beat. And you're still probably going to be in the mix for the top four. So as long as they beat the teams they're supposed to beat and maybe get a couple of results against the top four teams or t- the top six, I guess, contenders the rest of the season, I think, I think they'll, they'll still be in the hunt uh, certainly for the fourth spot. Yeah. Steve nailed it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not worried at all about dropping points at home, especially uh, because the margins are so thin. I could easily see Rama winning a couple of those games on the road in the second half of the season. So it kind of just is what it is. Uh, I think the, the big difference to me is that I don't know. I no longer go into these matches expecting a loss outright. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of the Napoli match, I think there's a fairly decent shot to win if um, things go Roma's way. It hasn't gone that way at all this season um, with some of these big matches, but I think they're right there. Um, and so as long as they aren't going into these matches with absolutely no shot at all that I'm not too worried about it it's a good point too because you could argue that they didn't deserve to win at the San Siro against Inter and they did so like yeah it kind of comes full circle yeah 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 I was just gonna say that win also gives them the confidence to maybe go to the San Siro and and nick a point or three off Milan they went to the Allianz against a weekend Juve side he got a point maybe should have won that match right The, the, the way Juve was playing at the time so maybe it was a little disappointing uh, not to win, but they, they've they shown they can go on the road. And last season against Atalanta, they went to um, Atalanta and they won. And Atalanta tends to be a better road team the past few years. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's there's points to be won on the road. It's just, you know, sometimes it's a little dis- disappointing to lose at home in some of these matches with the, the full stadium that they now have. But same thing with Lazio, like you said, it, it's a quasi-home match anyway. They'll have their, you know, maybe quarter of the stadium of their supporters for that match with the Curva Sud. So there'll be plenty to play for. So as we start to wrap up, Two matches left before the World Cup break. It's at Sassuolo on Wednesday. I believe it's home for Torino on Sunday. I mean, at this point, it's no Pellegrini and Dybala on Wednesday. Pellegrini's done until 2023. Dybala hopefully is going to be available for the Torino match just to prove to Argentina that he's fit for the World Cup. So you mentioned Volpato might get some looks. It might be a a different mix of players. I, I think, though... And I, I'm sure you guys probably agree. I think you kind of need six points in those matches heading into the World Cup break to kind of just keep pace with everybody and hope maybe some of these other teams slip up somewhere. Totally agree. I think this. I think they'll bounce back. I, I really do. Um, you know, I think Jose is a, is a great motivator at the end of the day, and he still is a great tactician. I think they'll figure out how to get six points in these two games, even though it'll be tough. Even Torino's a good team. Like they're they've been playing a little bit better as of late. Um, but. Uh, you know, and it's also kind of like I know we're going into the World Cup, but even beyond the World Cup, it's that part of the schedule where you're kind of only playing once a week for the most part. Like the 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 um, Europa League doesn't really kick off, I think, again, until like what, February or so. So February, yeah. they'll, they'll definitely have some time where it's just like, all right, let's just concentrate on one match a week. Let's just game plan for this and we'll win this. There is a lot of value in that. Um, so between the motivation um, and then, you know, wanting to finish strong after this embarrassing loss, I, I, I am pretty optimistic about how they'll finish before the World Cup happens. Uh, I wish I could say I was optimistic. I think <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I, I'm actually more worried about the Stasiola match than the Torino match, just because they always give us a hard time. Um, and I think pre-Lazio match, all these players were talking about, "Hey, we're going to give 120. percent We're going to do it for the colors. We're going to do it for the fans." And then they lay a stinker, and we have this very disappointing loss. And I think. I mean, you, you you guys saw Volpato shedding some tears at the end of the match, and I think a lot of the players went into the match with the intention of performing as they were, they were they were talking about, but it just didn't pan out that way. And I think I could see it affecting a little some of them. Um, I actually thought the Sassuolo match wasn't until Sunday, so the fact that it's midweek so soon after it could be a blessing and a curse, and that yeah, um, you know, you get back on the horse very quickly, or it, it's lingering in the back of your head, and then as soon as you know one thing goes wrong on Wednesday, then it goes downhill from there. Um, but I, obviously they have the capability to win both games. I think Pellegrini being out is a concern, but um, Roma have enough in a tank to, to beat both of these teams. I personally, I also would like, um, I don't necessarily want to ball to play for the sake of uh, the rest of the season, just because um, 
you know, he's he's about to go to the World Cup, and so rushing, you know, in the potentially rushing him back. I, I'm not. None of us are part of Roma's medical staff, and obviously they're going to give the green light if they're 100 percent sure. But with the World Cup coming as well, I don't know that you necessarily need to risk him um, before this extended break. And, but that's just my opinion. I think um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him. But I think if Roma managed to win convincingly on Wednesday, convincingly on Wednesday, I think there's less of a need to rush him back for the the match on Sunday. Yeah, and if he plays, it could even be just a 15-20 minute cameo at the end, depending on how things go. Uh Sassuolo, you know, hasn't been as good this season. I think the one thing I'm curious to see against Sassuolo, because they're a team that tends to bleed goals a lot of the time. Can Roma's attack maybe get going a little bit against against a side like that that kind of gives teams opportunities? Um, because Torino's gonna be tough to break down. It's it's a Yurich coach side. They they tend to defend pretty well. So it'll be an interesting dynamic the next two matches, and then it's the World Cup break. And I think January, just to look ahead a little bit before we close, is going to be big for Roma because January 4th, it's home for Bologna. Then it's at Milan on the 8th. Uh, then the Coppa Italia fixture, another midweek match. And then it's uh, Fiorentina on the 15th, Spezia, and then Napoli to close the month away. So it's really three big head-to-heads with a couple of those lesser sides mixed in, a, a Genoa Coppa Italia match. So it's it's going to be an interesting time. And I think we're going to learn a lot about Roma's top four hopes and, and anything more that they can do in that window there. Good news. I think for, for Roma is that I don't think anybody's going to run away with these top four spots other than Napoli. Like I kind of think, are you really afraid? I mean, listen, this may be coming back to bite me, but I'm not really afraid of anyone other than Napoli really at this moment, like even Milan, like I, they're, they're okay. They're definitely better than we are, but like, that doesn't mean I don't think we can't go there and get a, get a result or beat them. Um, so you know, they haven't dug themselves too deep of a hole. They're still in the mix, get healthy in the second half of the season. Like I, I'm still very, I'm still optimistic. It's just, I, you know, I, I wish that they had more flexibility to make some moves in, in January. Cause I really think that that's where they can kind of like solidify maybe a top four spot. I just don't think that the, that fin- financial fair play is going to allow them to pro- potentially do that. But, uh, but I, I do think again, like I said, I'm, I'm not terribly afraid of Lazio, Milan, uh, even Inter and Juve, like they're just they're, they're certainly not the team that they used to be two three years ago, and certainly even last year. So, uh, so I think I think Roma, it's all still to play for, and I still think finishing fourth would be a, a pretty great accomplishment this season. Yeah, so I'm not really worried about the Milans and the Lazio's and the Atalantas, even though I think Milan you can pencil in for finishing above Roma, just the yeah. nature of how their season goes. But um, what worries me is. Juve and Inter, and I, they, they, you know, they're definitely not as strong as they have been in seasons past. But and Roma can go toe to toe with them on any given night. But I think for a lot of the teams in the league, they're still, you know, it's still Inter, it's still Juve, and they have this aura about them where teams kind of will, in the face of adversity, when um, the going gets tough against those teams, and I think they'll can they'll draw points to the point that Roma can keep pace. But I think this initial first few months of the season was a huge missed opportunity for Roma to put some pace in between um, themselves and these two sides, because, you know, as we can see now, they're level on points with Juve behind them in the tables due to goal difference and Inter's right there as well. So um, you hope it was Inter, at least the Champions League commitments kind of uh, divert their focus a little bit and Roma can take advantage of that. And I think you can make up ground on Lazio and Atalanta over the course of the season. Um, but I think it's going to be tough sledding to get that fourth spot. I, I think what it comes down to, I think Lazio and Atalanta, they're starting to slow down except for the Lazio win this week. I think Roma will eventually pass them. I think the thing it's going to come down to with Napoli playing so well is you're going to have to find a way to finish ahead of Milan, Juve, or Inter, and, and which one is the one you're going to be able to to beat. If they can you know, find a way to beat Inter at home, that becomes maybe the team that you can do it against because you have six head-to-head points, but it's going to be tough. You're right. It's and I think Steve's right. I think it's going to stay close for a long time because everybody has their flaws so far outside of Napoli. I mean, Milan almost dropped two points to Spezia on the weekend and they got, they got a late goal to win it. So certainly be something to keep an eye on. Uh, the last thing today was the Europa League draw. They drew RB uh, Salzburg from Austria. Looking at the the possible opponents, there was Barcelona, Ajax, uh, Sporting Lisbon was out there, uh, Sevilla, which would have been fun to maybe knock out Monchi. Um, and then it was uh, Shakhtar. They couldn't get Juve, and they end up with Salzburg. So I, I think in the grand scheme of things, this is probably maybe best-case scenario in terms of a draw for the round of 32, considering you had to play uh, Champions League dropout. 
Yeah, I mean, I was kind of hoping they would get Barcelona. I, I, I just because because they're not to me they're not going to win this, so why not make it kind of interesting? I honestly think they could lose to Salzburg. I think Salzburg is a good team, yeah. and uh, they, they they have several players that would walk right into Roma's starting eleven. So, like, I think you look at the name and you go, "Oh yeah, it's a club from a smaller league." I think I, I don't know what the Vegas odds are, but I I I wouldn't be surprised if Salzburg came out of that 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 uh, these two games on top, but. Um, you know, I think Roma should try to win. I just don't think earlier in the season, we we're all asking ourselves, Hey, like, could we make a run in the Europa league this year? I think that was like a realistic goal after this season. I think they should put all their eggs in, in the top four basket. And like, if they, if they go out and cause so many teams around them do that. I mean, Lazio is probably going to lose in the conference league. Cause they've talked about how much they don't care about it multiple times. And they do this every single year where they just bow out of a, of a, of a knockout tournament really early. And they don't have to play in those, in those, uh, in those matches later on in the season. It helps them. I, I typically like that Roma try to play and try to advance as far as they can in every competition, but I really wouldn't be that bad if they got knocked out because they're just not going to win it. See, I think they do have a good shot. I think, but I think that's a product of Man U and Barcelona getting uh, drawn together because those would have been the two teams that have been like, oh yeah, you can pencil them in for the final. But well, you got Arsenal. I don't Arsenal. I, Arsenal, oh, yeah, I, don't, Arsenal, Arsenal, I don't know. I yeah, Arsenal. Yeah, you get the whole yeah. other side of the bracket. It's just it's yeah. yeah it, I don't know. Even if they make another semifinal like they did a couple of years ago, I just what's the point? I don't know. I, to me, it's, yeah. it's not worth it. I guess for me, I'm kind of relying on Mourinho's track record and knockout competitions. I'm also relying on Wijnaldum being a difference maker when he comes back because that's ostensibly a new signing, um, given how little we've seen him play. But I think, I think with Salzburg, it's, it's definitely going to be a tough tough matchup of the potential opponents that Steve rattled out, which I'm very impressed. You, I think you got them all except Leverkusen. That um, was one I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So props to you on that one. But I think that's probably as favorable draw as Roma is going to get. Sevilla would have been great just for yeah. the means. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I want to see Roma do as well as they can in this competition. I think we've seen stranger Cinderella stories. Um, I think once you get to probably quarterfinal, semifinal, it's going to get a little sketchy for Roma. But yeah, like I said, stranger things have happened and they could find themselves in a final. And then from there, you kind of lean on Mourinho to to steer you guys home to the promised land. But um, I, I would like to see them keep going in it. I think, I, th- I honestly think that's probably the more likely route than uh, through the league at this point in time, just based on how the last few weeks have gone. But um, like you guys mentioned earlier, January is going to be a huge month on whether or not they should, what, what basket they should put their eggs in. Yeah. January might decide, you know, if they, if they fall too far out of that top four race, maybe they do decide uh, Europa league is a more direct route if they can, you know, manage it. Uh, I think Mourinho's track record probably gives hope in, in the Europa league. Right. And I think it also depends who you draw. Like if you get by Salzburg and you get one of the group winners and it's uh, Freiburg or one of those teams, I think that won a group and not Arsenal, then maybe you have a clear path to the quarterfinals or, or something. And then maybe you don't get Arsenal till the semis or the possibly the finals, depending on how the bracket plays out um, and what happens with Barcelona and, and United. But um, I wouldn't fear Juve in, in that tournament, right? If you run into Juve no. later on and some of these other teams. So no. it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. It's, it's a lot of speculation now. And I think Steve made a good point. Salzburg is not to be overlooked. They went into the round of 16 last year and drew Bayern at home before they got absolutely destroyed at Munich. But the fact that you're able to hold Bayern one, one at home shows that they have the tools in, in knockout football to give a team like Roma big problems, right? Roma was very different than Bayern Munich at, at this point. We can all agree on that. So, um, you know, Steve, it was great having you on anything you want to, any other points you want to drop before we, we head out here? No, thanks for having me on guys. This is a, this is a lot of fun. Um, the one thing I would say too, the Copa Italia, it's, Ah, yes. I, I think I would the only problem is I believe that they are if they beat Genoa, I think they would play Napoli. So like it's kind of they're kind of on the worst side of the bracket um for that. But like if they didn't have to do that, if they're somehow like Napoli, they somehow they beat Napoli, like I I think they have a better chance if it, or at least it would be more fun to make a Copa Italia run than it would be to to make another, you know, I mean, we just won the conference league last year. I know the Europa League is a step up, but like I just like I said, I don't think we could win it, like I said before. So I think I almost feel like it'd be better to put our eggs in the in the Copa Italia basket. We haven't won one what over a decade, I believe. So um oh, wow. you know, I, I, we're certainly not gonna likely beat Napoli if we have to face them in I think the uh, the quarterfinal, but you never know, stranger things have happened. And then if you do get past that, as we talked about, I don't I'm not afraid of any of these other teams. They could certainly Merle could certainly in a one-off game beat any of these other squads. So um, that's something to look out for. But I, I'm not super optimistic that they can get past Napoli. 
I yeah, I miss winning the Copa. They used to win it every, like, or were in it every year when I started following the scene in the mid-2000s. They had won a couple. They yeah. beat uh, Mourinho's Inter and some of those good teams. And, or maybe they didn't beat Mourinho's Inter, maybe it was Mancini's, but they were, they were there. And it's like, oh, this team can win, you know, trophies. And then, yeah, here we are now, 15 years later, <laughs> yeah. watching them. It's like, okay, we're excited about the Conference League, so. Yeah, I think uh, the performances in the Copa have been so bad the last few years that I yeah. kind of just wrote that off completely <laughs> as a potential title pathway. Um, I think with Napoli, if all their eggs are in the, the league basket, maybe they're, you know, field the half-strength team um, in those quarterfinal, in that quarterfinal. Um, I will admit that my desire for Roma to, to go the Europa League route is just based out of the delusion that, uh, or the fantasy, rather, of uh, Roma winning the Conference League, Europa League, and Champions League back-to-back-to-back. And uh, <laughs> really, really, um, you know, make that tattoo that Mourinho got a little prophetic. But uh, obviously, that's a clear fantasy. So, But if it does happen, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Steve, tell the listeners where they can find all your work. Yeah, we could check out uh, – we're going to do some, some World Cup stuff at the Ringer on the Ringer gambling feed, um, giving out some game picks. We'll do some USA stuff as well as uh, we're cautious. I guess not. I'm not optimistic actually about the U.S. at all, but like I, I like to be optimistic. I think they should probably still get out of the group, but we'll have some gambling content in that feed and then uh, some other stuff, Ron Rosillo show as well on the Ringer. So just check out the ringer.com for all that stuff. Yeah, thanks again for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week, hopefully after six points for Roma and uh, a good way to head into the World Cup break. Thank you.